It is Tuesday, December 4th, 2018. You are locked into twitch.tv backslash hitting the marks. And this is HTM Sports. My name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day, but please give it up, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, for my tag team partner, the guy who thinks he could beat me off the line, the OG Huckleberry, RBV. Rick, welcome back to HTM Sports. It's me, it's me. It's that order to be the V. Rick Vickery here, guaranteeing that I would smoke your ass off the line there. Come on, man. You got that lip now. That's true. That's true. I'm, I'm not nearly in as good a shape as I was it, when I, I was 17 years old. And even, even back in the day, I would have blown, I would have blown by you that they, hey, they would have thought it would have been that missed call from the Steelers game. That's how, that's how much I would have been by you. Oh, fantastic. Of course, we will talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers and all that was Week 13 in the NFL here in just a little bit. But, Rick, we got to start things off with the stories of the week. And by week, I mean W-E-A-K. And I'm talking, of course, about my beloved Green Bay Packers. Mike McCarthy out as the coach in Green Bay, Wisconsin, on Aaron Rodgers' birthday. Happy birthday, Aaron Rodgers. You are getting a new coach this year for your birthday present. Um, Huckleberry, what are your overall thoughts about McCarthy being fired? I, I, I feel like this was going to happen regardless at the end of the season, but you can't lose to Arizona at home and expect to keep your job. Well, I'm going to say this one, this was, everyone saw this coming. Maybe not now. Uh, this timing certainly seemed okay because I mean, this is a devastating loss for a team, you know, that had playoff aspirations. Uh, but it seemed like something that they could have waited on. There, there wasn't really an urgency to pull the trigger here, but maybe there was because they were getting pressure from our star player. So now it looks like the turnaround where, you know, over the last couple of weeks, all that praise for Rogers, he's the one keeping us in this thing. He's our only star. He just needs the tools. You know, everyone was giving him the credit there for holding the ship together. But now I don't know with so much a happy birthday because he's getting a lot of heat on his birthday because the media, the fans have all turned us around that Mike McCarthy's firing, this is Aaron Rodgers' fault. I don't know if I necessarily think that it's Aaron Rodgers' fault. Um, I, I think the the big thing, though, Aaron Rodgers is making $33 million a year. Mike McCarthy's making $6.5 million a year. I mean, if it, if it comes down to a call between one or the other, you're going with Aaron Rodgers. But at this point in the game, uh, is, it an, is it a necessity? Because look at everything... That McCarthy has gave gave to the Packers to that city uh, such a great tenure there to, to see it end like this. Well, Aaron told us at the beginning of the season this team was piss poor. Once again, he was absolutely right. This team is piss poor. I there's there's nothing going on in Green Bay right now other than Aaron Rodgers, who is vastly overpaid. Well, I was going to say then, you know, going back, you know, Rogers sitting there complaining in the preseason, this team is piss poor. We've got to step it up. We, we have to define ourselves as men. You know, a couple of his statements to this point. Well, look in the mirror. The reason you don't have the personnel around you, Rogers, is because you're eating up so much of the salary there. And this topic is going to be a recurring theme kind of throughout this show as things go on. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's been a long day. Um... Rick, I, I, I guess the question now, of course, I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, but even I'm not a delusional Green Bay Packers fan. Is Green Bay still a good job? I mean, you're in a very, very small market. The NFC North is just getting better, with the exception of Detroit. 
would you want to take the Green Bay job right now with Aaron Rodgers at the $33 million a year quarterback? Well, it looks like this. You know, there is a lot of heat on Rodgers. But, you know, and, and there's obviously there's some personnel issues on that entire roster that need to be addressed. But I still think, you know, it is a destination. You still have one of the league's elite quarterbacks. You know, that's something that new coaches, they, that's what they want to have when they're going into a situation like this. I, I think it's going to take the right fit. They're going to need someone that can gel with Rodgers. But, yeah, I would say this is still uh, one of the premier jobs in the NFL. Rumors are already flying that Mike McCarthy is going to land in Cleveland. I mean, we, we've been predicting this for weeks now. I don't think that that's any surprise. I guess the question is, is it a complete disaster for Cleveland if they don't get Mike McCarthy at this point? Well, I'm going to say anyone that takes this Cleveland job, uh, my first piece of advice is to rent, do not buy. I agree. And, and don't start unpacking for a little while. You know, save yourself the trouble. You know, McCarthy's got the – he's obviously got the ties there. We've seen some other names thrown out. If you're McCarthy, do you want to jump back into a situation this fast, or do you want some time to sit back, maybe see if some other uh, prospects open up? Well, I guess it, uh, really it all comes down to what does Mike McCarthy think of Baker Mayfield, right? I mean, obviously, if he's going into Cleveland, he's going to be married to Baker Mayfield. If he doesn't like Baker Mayfield as a talent, there's no way I take that job. Well, at first, if you go into an interview and you're not going to buy full in on Mayfield, that he is the guy, I mean, he is the face of that franchise, you're not even going to get the interview. Yeah, I mean, this I mean, seems that, a foregone conclusion. One. That's number one on qualifications for this job is you must be in love with this kid. Yeah, I agree. Um I'm hearing rumors of Bruce Arians to Cleveland. For some reason, it seems as though Bruce Arians really, really likes Baker Mayfield. And it seems as though this is the one job that he would come out for, at least so he has said. Rick, Bruce Arians is 66 years old. I looked this up last night. He's uh, He would be the second oldest coach in the league, right behind the hoodie and and Brady and the Patriots, who we'll talk about a little bit later here as well. Um I don't know. If I'm Bruce Arians, wouldn't you rather have the Green Bay job at this point? Well, I think, you know, that Green Bay job, it's like we're saying, I think there's going to be a line of individuals there. But to, to speak to the Browns real quick, you know, he's definitely got a, to be a name on their list. So I think there, there might be more interest from the Browns uh, than on the other side. But, hey, I know up here in, in Northeast Ohio, they're really happy with the interim coach, uh, the job that he is doing. He's gotten his team back on track. They're excited each and every week. Uh, Greg Williams – they're excited about where he is taking his team. I think he's going to have a little legitimate shot. But I'm going to throw it out there. Let's let's fire it up. Let's get the rumor mill going because it's already starting around here. Urban Meyer is your next head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Of course, we have seen that Urban Meyer has, quote, unquote, retired from the Ohio State University. He is going to be around to coach the Rose Bowl, it seems, and send these players off uh, officially. And then it's what, the the offensive coordinator that will be taking over as the head coach there at the Ohio State University? That is correct. Ryan Day will be taking over. He'll be taking the reins. Uh, and just to, to kind of put everything to bed there, when I say that Urban Meyer, or even make the suggestion that Urban Meyer is going to take the Browns job, uh, that, that's not in his heart. That's not no. in his immediate future. Uh, he just had his press conference just an hour or so before we took to the air here. Uh, very heartwarming. And you can tell uh, stepping down here, it was a very tough decision. 
uh, something that has been weighing on him for a long time. But unfortunately, you know, the demands of being a football coach, especially at a, a program like the Ohio State, uh, just, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, the toll his health is in shambles, having issues there. You know, just for himself and his family, if he can't give Ohio State those players what they deserve, he needs to step away, and that's what he's doing right now. Any chance Urban Meyer was forced out here? Now, I saw I saw you on Facebook. It was you and Eric Lake. You guys are all over this thing. Oh, he's stepping down because the, the scandal's about to erupt. I, I think you've been hanging out with Billy Ray Valentine too much. You know, everything's not a conspiracy. It's cool well, here. I mean, look at the track record here. It's not like there's not some where there's smoke, there's fire here. I mean, come on. You have that that one instance. Oh, that one instance, you know, where he covered for that assistant coach that beat his wife. Just that one instance. Hey, and you, now you're acting like he was standing in the room. Oh, no. Oh, I, 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 I understand, man. I'm with you. But I'm saying if there is something coming down. I mean, we saw this with Pete Carroll at USC where he got out while the getting was good. Now, at this point. He has got a lot of issues going on health-wise. Yeah, the, the the headaches, the severity, they are growing each and every day. Uh, and that, and when you're dealing with that, you can't make that full commitment, you know, to what it takes to be successful at the level of a program of the Ohio State. And you and I talked uh, earlier this morning when this this news first broke. You know, why now for the timing? Why now? Why why not wait? Well, he addressed that, and it, it's very clear, and it makes a lot of sense in doing so now. It's best for the program because what what are we what's coming up here? National signing National Signing Day. You and if you. he if he is on as the head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes when those kids sign those scholarships and then he leaves, all those kids are free to leave as well. The way I count it up, there's going to be about seven teams, including the Green Bay Packers, to kind of bring this thing full circle uh, that are going to be looking for head coaches this year. Any, How many of those calls do you think Urban Meyer's taken? Because you know the phone's going to ring. Hey, I, you know, it's it's going to ring. I would hope out of respect, you know, they just go through some feelers that they're not, you know, really blowing him up. And I don't really think he's going to take a lot of interviews. Love him. You know, take the entire year off. If the illness is this serious, you know, is, is they're making it out, then take the year off. Hey, if anything else, though, show up at a game day. You know, ESPN, Fox Sports, they're spending money left and right. They'd love to have him on board. Hey, you you talking about a, a big name to bring in? Like I'm saying, Fox is spending money everywhere. They're giving WWE, they're giving MLS. You know, they're bringing everybody in. They just they just got that Big Ten deal. What better what better name to bring in as an analyst uh, for your college football than Urban Meyer? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I'm also hearing this rumor of Jim Harbaugh to Green Bay, Wisconsin. Uh, I'm going to kibosh that here real quick. Uh, I looked this up the other day. Um, at the University of Michigan, Jim Harbaugh is making $4.5 million a year more than Mike McCarthy was. I mean, come on. There, there's no way Jim Harbaugh is leaving Michigan unless they tell him that he's leaving Michigan. Hold on, how about this? Jim Harbaugh goes to Green Bay, and then the very next day, the Browns announce that Urban Meyer is going to Cleveland. And then he just follows. 
And then he just follows him to the NFL and just keeps whooping that ass. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Uh, let's talk about another coach that was fired. Uh, this is our, our, our first NBA conversation on the show, and his name is Fred Hoiberg. Fred Hoiberg out as the coach of the Chicago Bulls. And, Rick, I, I find this absolutely fascinating because this is not because of the terrible record that the Bulls have that is being cited by general manager John Paxson that this is because of the attitude of this team. There's no energy. They need to do something to shake things up there in Chicago. The thing that is fascinating about this to me, of course, being in the state of Iowa, I have watched Fred Hoiberg forever. He was the coach at Iowa State for years before he took the job in Chicago. This is completely un-Fred Hoiberg. None of this is making any sense to me. And just now, the Chicago Bulls, they're only Two players away from having all of their starting five healthy. Like, they didn't even give Hoiberg a chance here. Well, you know, coming out of the gate so slow, you know, the five wins this season, as you said, it's not really telling of the story of, of the team this year. They're dealing with so much. And now we've got this other story that they just, maybe there wasn't something clicking in the locker room. And unfortunately, we have an atmosphere like that. You know, you cut off the head. And that's what happened here. And maybe this is a blessing in disguise. Uh, for Hoiberg, you know, he can take a step back, uh, you know, go somewhere else, reinvent himself, find that love. But I, you know, when you put this on the run here, yeah, you, you ask the question: Is the job in Chicago is that still is it still a good job? Is it worthwhile? You know, as we we're talking about Green Bay, is it a place that people want to go? And I really started thinking about the franchise itself and thinking about NBA in in our lifetime, Jargo. We're, we're both in our thirties. And we've seen some great dynasties, some great basketball, you know, through the 80s, the 90s, uh, the 2000s to now. And it seems each and every time we have seen one of those great dynasties, and every dynasty has their end. But, you know, the Celtics, the Lakers, the Pistons, the Bulls, it, it always seems like, you know, within 10 to 12 years, they regenerate and they're back. They're back winning championships, not just making appearances, not just one, but they're going back to back. They're, they're back as a major player. The case with the Chicago Bulls, who in our generation is, is arguably the greatest dynasty in all of sports. It, it's been 20 years since their last, you know, that last run, that last championship, really since they were a threat. Chicago just hasn't been able to get back on track. Well, OK, I, I'm I, number one. I am not a Chicago Bulls fan, as you can see. In honor of the Chicago Bulls, I'm wearing my Seattle Supersonics gear because uh, Jordan and the Bulls absolutely robbed Gary Payton that year. Um, so here's my thing with the Bulls. They attach themselves, it's very much like the WWE, they attach themselves to Derrick Rose. And when his knees went out, so did any hopes of the new Bulls dynasty. They've had to rebuild already when they should be right in the middle of the Derrick Rose era in Chicago. It's his knees couldn't take the weight of that franchise. Well, you know, it's just, oh, nice, nice pun there. Uh, but they, they've had some other big players. They had a great young group around him. Yep. That, that all, you know, they thrived a little bit without him. Uh, Jay Williamson from Duke was supposed to be a savior there who gets into the motorcycle accident. Noah. Yeah, they, they've had they've had a string of bad luck, but still they haven't been able to get back over that hump. Where we've seen those other franchises, you know, like the Lakers, the Pistons, the Celtics, so on. But even with all of that, you know, this the city of Chicago they have continued to support and love 
love the Chicago Bulls. Even this year, with everything you're saying, you know, the turmoil within the team, only five, five, five times that they get to the winner's column. They got five wins, and they're still second in attendance in the league with 20K plus a night. You know, I, I, I rip on the Chicago fans a lot, especially Cubs fans. And I call them the most delusional fan base that I've ever seen in my life. They are loyal to a fault inside of the Windy City. That is for absolute certain. So, Huggleberry, let's go ahead. Let's throw things over to the uh, college football playoff here. And uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, what is going on here. Number one, we have Alabama and Clemson. They take care of business. Absolutely no problems. Then we have the University of Notre Dame. They survived the bye week in the uh, game that uh, Georgia put out, the game that Ohio State put out, and the game that Oklahoma put out. There was a fear that Notre Dame could potentially fall out of this thing, but none of the teams performed well enough to knock them out in a bye week. So that leaves us with Oklahoma getting the nod, um, Ohio State coming in at number six, Georgia only falling to number five after the showing that they put out against Alabama. Rick, what do you think of this thing? Do you like the way that this is shaked out? Because while I think they have the right four, I think they have the seating completely wrong. Well, you know, there's so many different directions we can come at this thing. And I guess, you know, this is a, it's a cost for great debate. For days, I have been, you know, involved, you know, just on my, on my personal page in the Hami Media Discussion Group, uh, multiple sports groups on Twitter. Real life, you know, sitting around the bar, you know, everyone's got a take on this thing. And I think that's the biggest issue that when they're choosing these teams, you know, it's the 13 individuals on that committee and they're kind of, well, we talked about this. We talked, there, there's no set guidelines to let us know, you know, what qualifies you for the, this final four situation for these big stakes. And so it's all for interpretation. It's up for debate. I think. And you keep hearing the best four. I want to say in my mind, I think they got three of the four right. But and who, who would you take out? The one I the one I don't like in there is Notre Dame. You know, you. It seemed like they, they limped to the finish line. They knew they, they could play the odds because they have the advantage of not being in a conference. And it played to their favor this year. And if you look at the teams you've listed here, these top six teams, I would I would put Notre Dame six if you're telling me from top to bottom who's the best to the worst. I, I, I would I actually would agree with that. I would but, agree you know, with that. The way the system works is they're there. Then you go to the next, you know, the next great debate is well, who are who should be in that spot? Should it be Georgia or Ohio State? I don't. It's maybe too much for us to get in, you know, with our time here. Uh, but I would have them out. And one of you know one of my biggest arguments over the last couple of days is is let's not argue about expanding this thing. I don't think that's the answer. I think the answer is forcing Notre Dame to join a conference because one of the things when you look at this bracket, essentially what we're getting is an ACC championship as a semi national championship. Yep, Notre Dame versus Clemson. If this was any sport other than football. This would be the ACC championship. Um, and, and I feel like the reason I say I feel like they have the seating wrong number, I feel like Notre Dame should be four. Um, I, I don't feel like we should be getting Oklahoma and Alabama in the semifinal. I Because I, re- I feel like that's going to be the best game of the three games. Well, I think in a committee's mind, they probably came to you know the majority that they thought Clemson was going to be there. And that's why they said, hey, let's play it safe. Let's play it safe. 
We'll hope that maybe Oklahoma gets two good games out of this because Oklahoma's going to be a ratings machine here. I mean, Notre Dame's going to get your ratings, but they don't really, they really stand a chance against any of these teams. Uh, hey, from uh, my boy that's always on five times, you know, my boy two times, he's let me in on this, just sent me a message. Uh, the spread on each of these games, the dogs, Oklahoma and Notre Dame, are getting 15. Wow, 15. In, a, in national semifinals games, the dogs are getting 15. And wow. you're telling me that's, a, that's competitive football? Wow, that's crazy. If you took out Notre Dame and Oklahoma, I guarantee those lines would be a lot closer, and you might get even better games if you inserted Georgia and Ohio State. You giving Oklahoma a chance to beat Bama? I think it, I think we'll get a good game for three quarters, and then you see you know Bama kind of just beat Bama and just flip that switch and dominate. Clemson's going to blow out Notre Dame. I have a feeling. And then who do you like, Alabama or Clemson? I'm going to say uh, hey, it might be good news for Monday Night Raw because I don't think that game's going to be all that close, especially by halftime. Alabama in a wash. Let's talk about the uh, Heisman finalists. We we have our, our three finalists. This is going to be determined on Saturday. Um, I'm just going to call him Tua because I've even heard this kid pronounce his last name, and I still can't pronounce it. Like, Kazuchika Okada, absolutely no problem. Hiroshi Tanahashi, yep, absolutely. This kid's name, it's like Tungi Ovalio or something like that. Uh, we're just going to go with Tua. He is the quarterback at the University of Alabama. He's a sophomore. He's up for the Heisman this year. We have Kyler Murray, a junior out of the University of Oklahoma. And we have Dwayne Haskins, the quarterback at your Ohio State University. Huckleberry, which one of these three do you like as a, a prospect going forward? And who do you think is going to win the Heisman? And is it the same person? You know I know what you're probably thinking what I was going to do here, that I'm going to go with the homer. Ohio versus everyone. It, what, it, to me, what he really breaks out, if these are, you look at the stats, they're, they're so evenly matched. So you got to really look at, at what this, what this award's about. And this is about the finding absolute best player in college football. And sometimes, you know, that needs to go beyond the stats. You know, I'm talking, you know, about the actual player himself, you know, the leader, the personal individual. And to me, with, with Haskins, is, he is an amazing, amazing character, so well-spoken, represents the program uh, to the highest. But when you get that, you know, to take away some of those great numbers, when you look at what defined the Buckeye season, is probably when he let them down the most. You know, obviously uh, the bad the bad game against Purdue. And just, it, you know, outside even that when people brought up, was just one loss of Purdue. They struggled uh, against Nebraska. Uh, they struggled another. And I just they should have lost the Maryland game. The Maryland game. In, in, in those games where they really struggled, he was really down. And it's almost like they caught breaks in those two games uh, instead of actually winning them. And I think that's what the committee actually saw, you know, and kept Ohio State out with. Uh, with two of them in, in Bama, there's no question how good he is. I mean, he's got the heart of a champion. Even when he, he's not down often, but when he is, they, he leads them right back. Uh, he stands in there. You know, he shows no fear. We saw that, you know, in the winning drive against Georgia. But I, you know, I think when it comes down to it, you know, on the field, uh, the way he's shown his character off the field, kind of how he represents himself, I got to go. I got to go with Murray. 
I agree with you. I'm going to go with Kyler Murray. I think Kyler Murray is absolutely my uh, Heisman Trophy winner this season. Um, hey, that's supposed to be my camera, not your camera. Hey, put me on the air. Oh, stupid technology doesn't like me. Oh, it says that you're me. How about that? We'll just go back to the split. Hey, we're just lucky. We're just lucky to have internet right now, right? Yeah, there is that. We weren't even sure the show was going to happen today. I'm going with Murray. I think he's the best college football player, even though I don't think that he is the best NFL prospect out of this group. Just with what he can do with his legs, what he can do with his arm, the way that he has led that team, I absolutely think Kyler Murray is the best player in college football this season. I think uh, just one more note on an interesting stat for anyone out there. We picked it up this morning. We were kind of shocked by it. Uh, only the seventh time in 84 outings that all three finals have been quarterbacks. Fascinating stuff. Let's uh, let's throw things over to the NFL here. Um, Huggleberry, week 13's a little bit of a mess. And I got a couple of teams that I felt like we needed to talk about here. And number one is the damn New England Patriots. Because the New England Patriots are going to win this whole goddamn thing again. I feel like this is a foregone conclusion. The Patriots are the best team inside of the AFC. We're going to talk AFC today. We'll talk NFC next week. But, Rick, yesterday, Tom Brady and the Patriots, nine receivers, seven different guys running the ball. You want to talk about spreading things out and how to run a franchise without relying on just one guy? It seems as though the Patriots have mastered this thing. Well, really, this is about the time where the Patriots just hit that next level. Uh, we see this time and time again from them. You know, it's just it's always reload, and they find new ways to kind of just, you know, especially can you imagine have to be a defensive coordinator planning for this team? Ridiculous. You, you, think, you think you've got them figured out, and then they just rewrite their, rewrite their own book? Nine receivers and seven different guys running the ball. And I know, you know, a lot of people out there, Hey, earlier in the year, we saw a tremendous effort uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs in Foxborough. A lot of people are still high on that, thinking if, if the Chiefs can get that second opportunity, especially in Arrowhead, they can get it done. I'm, I'm looking at these standings here. I think the team to, to be on the lookout for still remains the Houston Texans. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, check this out. I, I got this stat yesterday. Huckleberry, this is why I can tell you the Patriots are going to win this thing. Are you ready for this? These are the quarterbacks that the Patriots could potentially play in the AFC playoffs in their record against the New England Patriots. Big Ben and the Steelers, he's got the best record. Two and eight against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Two and eight for Big Ben. Phillip Rivers of the, of the Los Angeles Chargers, 0 and seven in his career against Brady and Belichick. The Houston Texans are 0 for the franchise. The Houston Texans have never beaten the Patriots in that team's existence. Andrew Luck, 0 for 6 against Brady and the Patriots. And then you have Patrick Mahomes, 0 and 1. These are are the teams the Patriots are going to have to play in the playoffs. And the way the playoff picture is looking, there's a very good chance they're all going to have to go into Foxborough. Well, I say, you know, unless Kansas City can hold on, uh, they still have the edge there. Yeah, but if they end up in a tie, advantage New England. Um, Steelers beat the Steelers over the course of the weekend. Rick, did you get to see any of this thing? The, the, the Chargers put down the Steelers 33-30, to but this was a Steelers loss. This was not a Chargers win. Hey, you know what? In, in Steelers Nation, they are everywhere. 
Uh, but being from Cincinnati, it's just we've got this infestation uh, of Steelers fans, and you know a lot of them I'm friends with, so they're on my Facebook feed, and it just it just warmed my heart to see how upset they were, uh, especially through the game, just just repeatedly. The refs are screwing us; they're they're not giving us a break. And the irony to, to hear this from Steeler Nation, Steeler Nation. They all, they always get this, this favor. So I have no sympathy, uh, for the league having, having an off night here. But I will tell you this, you know, this, this looked like it was going to be a, a big bounce back game for the Steelers, you know, especially going last week into Denver and taking that tough loss. They needed to come back here, make a statement, get back on track in the, in the playoff hunt. Uh, you know, uh, good news for them is they're going to host. They're going to host a playoff game because they're going to end up running away here. No, not so but, fast, my friend. Not North. so fast. I'm not even sure they're going to win this division now. I, I no, I'm not putting any faith here in Baltimore. They're going to fall apart here, uh, and then obviously, third place will be the Browns and the Bengals bringing bringing up the hind end. Uh, Redskins lose to the Eagles, twenty eight thirteen. Colt McCoy goes out and breaks a leg, literally, uh, and enter the franchise. That's right. Mark Sanchez is back in the league, but fumble and all in Washington, D.C. Huckleberry, are you a fan of the Sanchez? I've never been a fan of him. Never I'm, been a I fan. Guess I'm, a, I'm, I'm indifferent. I'm indifferent. I just, I've never taken to him. You know, a lot of that West Coast ball, I, I never really got into it. I know they were always in contention for the championships there, but I, you know, I always put that a little bit more on, on Reggie Bush and the defense. I don't. I love that team. I absolutely love that team. Poor Washington. You know, just when it seemed like they were really going to take control of that division, Alex Smith goes down, enter Colt McCoy. Now he goes down, and now you've got the butt fumble. Good God! Let's talk about uh, Paul Arzola and his uh, Dallas Cowboys. They defeat the Saints thirteen to ten last Monday. Huckleberry, this is a big loss for Dallas. That's right. It was a big loss for Dallas. Because now they're going to have to pay Dak Prescott. That's the problem. Now they're going to have to pay Dak Prescott. Uh-oh, I lost Huckleberry. Oh, no. Jeez. Don't make me finish the show by myself, Rick. Yep, he's gone. It might be me. Maybe I'm gone. I don't even know if I'm on the air right now. Oh, damn it. Well, I guess if Huckleberry rejoins us, then Huckleberry rejoins us. And if he doesn't, then I guess he doesn't. We'll just uh, we'll come over here and we'll do this. How about that, ladies and gentlemen? We'll try to finish off the show just like that since we're almost done here anyway. Um, so here is your current AFC playoff picture. We, me and Huckleberry will try to talk about Dak Prescott and the big loss that was for the Dallas Cowboys and how they're going to have to pay this kid here uh, next week. Uh, your AFC playoff picture, as things stand right now, you have the Chiefs, number one. The Patriots, number two, because they own the tiebreaker over Houston. The Texans at three, Steelers at four, Chargers at five, Ravens at six, Dolphins and Colts at seven and eight, bringing up the rear. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening and or watching with us here at twitch.tv backslash hitting the marks. We'll be back this weekend with another edition of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Until then, you can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks, email us at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. You can find RBV at the real RBV. 
That's going to wrap things up for this week's edition of HTM Sports. We'll talk to you next Tuesday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right back here at twitch.tv backslash hitting the marks.